John Joyner's into the ball game now. Three wide receiver set. Four-man rush. Rattler's in some trouble. Steps up. Runs. He's diving forward. Reaches the ball out. Touchdown. 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 They give it. Yeah. yeah, they give it. Touchdown, Spencer Rattler. From six yards out, he took it on his own shoulders and reached out the last minute. Welcome back into the extra point. It's Reaction Monday here on the game. Tyler Head along with you. Wes Mitchell now joining me in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. That, of course, was the voice of Todd Ellis on the call on Saturday night. Spencer Rattler scrambling for the touchdown the first quarter to give the Gamecocks the 10-7 to lead. That was the only lead they would hold for the night as South Carolina would uh, soon give up that lead to Tennessee and the Volunteers would cruise to the 41-20 to victory. Uh, Wes, rough night out there in Knoxville. Yeah, fitting... You know, Rattler did score on that play, but having to kind of run for his life, I guess, if you will. And, you know, I, I thought in a lot of ways this game came down to matchups, and uh, as they often do. And, and for South Carolina, you know, unfortunately, the things we've been talking about for five weeks now, I, I thought were just kind of um, taken advantage of by Tennessee. You know, and, and I, I think – there, there was some progress we saw last week in these same areas, but I, I think when you faced a better team this week in Tennessee and playing them on the road, like I think the crowd was a factor in this game too. But, I mean, there were probably, I would say, three plays or sequences that I, I thought were just kind of uh, disastrous as far as putting South Carolina in a position to win the game, you know, that went against them. But even those three plays or sequences I'm talking about you know one of course being the pick six the other two being the fourth down stops you kind of those are more symptoms to the the issues and and kind of the fact they did not convert those situations go back to those same problems you know you would say inability to protect your quarterback um, particularly on the edge you know offensive tackle uh, inability to consistently run the football in order to keep your opponent uh, kind of off balance. Like I, I thought there were some flashes in the running game, but uh, it, it was not consistent enough. And then in the second half, South Carolina was kind of trying to just chase the game, basically chase the sure. points. So that, that took that out a little bit. And um, I thought maybe a little bit of a new issue. Uh, it, it did not feel like there was a ton of separation with the wide receivers and, uh, and, and Tennessee's defenders. We can dive into all those things at, at some point, but that was kind of the, the, overhead view uh, of what I saw on Saturday. Well, and that clip there, obviously, again, giving South Carolina its lone lead of the night. And this game did not get out of hand until very late in the going when Tennessee ended up getting up uh, 34-17. to That was a three-score lead, and then the, the route was kind of on from there. But South Carolina was just like that one play away from really getting back into it, but you just never felt like they had the ability outside of Mario Anderson's touchdown run in third quarter. They just didn't have the ability to pull out that big play to really make you think, wow, they might still have a shot in this one. It felt like Tennessee dominated the entire game. Yeah, it did, and it, it was kind of uh, – w- once, you know, that, that pick six just kind of flipped the entire momentum of the game, and – uh, you know, it it felt it kind of felt like Tennessee was had taken the momentum, but it's one of those things where in the moment you kind of can feel it starting to snowball a little bit. And I know if you're South Carolina, you're saying, "Look, we're down by seven. We know how fast Tennessee can score, and uh, you're at their place. Crowd is going nuts. The last thing you want is to punt the ball back to them for them to put in a late score on you." 
and then score to start the second half as well because Tennessee did get the ball to start the second half. So I, I get it. You're trying to do everything you can to stay on the field. Well, in doing that, you also got, I would say, super aggressive on the third and 22. And um, looking back, I mean, just the risk-reward there, I don't think um, kind of the decision there I, I don't like because the risk-reward there um, did not give you enough reward to make you want to take that risk, in my opinion. Because if that ball is completed, uh, sure. and I'm sure that's not the first option on that route but sure. or on that play. Even if that ball is completed, it's not a first down. No. So, um, you know, I, I completely get in the moment you're saying we have to stay on the field here. But with the pass protection issues anyway, particularly in situations when Tennessee was able to kind of just pin their ears back, right? which obviously third and long is another one of those situations, you kind of, uh, you, as much as you hate to do it, you almost have to live to – to fight another down there and just try and make Tennessee drive the field at the at the last second there, but I, you know, I I get it in the moment, but certainly looking back, um, you probably just run the draw and or quick screen and yeah, and, and punt and, the ball back. And outside of the decision itself, that was probably the first time this entire season where you looked at a play that Spencer Rattler made and said that kind of looks like the Spencer Rattler from the first ten games last year. Now, he was being pressured, certainly. Steps up and just a very bad throw. Completely throws it over the top of Mega Blake's head right into the arms of the defender who basically walks in the end zone at that point. Like, that's one of the plays that we just haven't... The One of the mistakes that we haven't seen Spencer Rattler really make it all this season. Yeah, and I, I think it was one of those things just trying to do too much in the moment. And, um, you know, you're trying to make a play. The, the game is right there. You know, it's a, it's a seven-point game. And, you know, kind of a forgotten sequence. The fact that... South Carolina ensuing kickoff ends up actually getting the ball at the 50. Mm -hmm. And uh, you kind of, you know, I'm saying to myself, all right, as bad as as that scenario was for them, pick six towards the end of the half. And a half where you've hung in there. You've stayed in the game at least. You've given yourself a fighting chance, which was very different from the first half last time South Carolina was in Knoxville. Yep. And then to get such great field position – when really, if you look a lot of times in this game, field position was a huge issue for South Carolina. Again, they finally did have great field position in this situation, not to be able to just bounce right back and tack something on, even a field goal right. there, uh, I thought I thought was massive. The other, the other just, I thought, kick to the gut is you pull off another beautiful fake punt. Gutsy call, gutsy execution, all the things they obviously saw something they liked even they said dating back to last year they had this in the book based on something they saw on Tennessee's punt return team you hit it backed up in your own territory there's a certain amount of confidence you have to have in your guys to call that long of a pass from your punter yep in that situation and just be like he's going to execute this and, and they execute it perfectly it seemed to shift momentum but then to not convert the fourth down right after that, just in the moment, you're kind of saying, man, that that is a huge sequence That's that maybe comes back to bite you, and I, I think it did. You know, if, if you go down and score after that, maybe the entire thing shifts. Maybe you get the crowd off your back just a little bit. Um, I know they had been drinking Tennessee whiskey all 
all evening, all afternoon, it, I think. But they were uh they're very charged up. I, I got Colin Taylor's insight from being there on Saturday and he said that's probably the most hostile crowd he's ever seen. They were loud the entire game. They were certainly towards the end of the game making some, you know, chance at Rattler and Beamer that we certainly couldn't play free on the radio, but they were definitely into it. They were definitely charged up, and uh, I, honestly, I was very surprised that Tennessee didn't try and run the score up there at the end with tacking on an extra touchdown. This felt like a very personal game considering what happened last year, and yeah, just I mean, South Carolina got ran over. That's all you can say. Yeah, and I, again, I think it goes back to uh, to those matchups, and we, we knew Tennessee was a good pass rush team coming in. Um, that That was on full display, uh, I think, on, on Saturday. And uh, I think crowd noise was a factor in, in South Carolina's offensive line play as well. I give the Tennessee fans credit. They uh, they brought the juice, and uh, they brought the momentum. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I mean, looking back, probably should not have picked South Carolina. Like, this, this a lot a lot went Tennessee's way in this game. Like, I, I they, they looked like the better team. They did. And they well, were – at home and um when you know when you have some when you have those things go against you you look look back at what South Carolina did on third or fourth down last year being able to stay on the field convert some of those things and then look at it Saturday night it's kind of um you know it was going to be hard to win if you did not convert those opportunities absolutely we'll continue to react to this all day long here as it is a reaction monday as we uh, talk about Carolina falling to Tennessee 41-20 up in Neyland Stadium on Saturday. The extra point rolls along. He's Wes Mitchell. I'm Tyler Head here on the game. Yeah, really disappointing. Um, you know, and it wasn't because they were bringing a lot of pressure. They were just beating us up front. And, um, you know, we tried to <clears throat> tried to help our offensive line with, you know, some max protection and keeping the running backs in and keeping the tight end in to chip and things like that. And, we got beat way too many times, and even though it turns into a passing game, no excuse for that. You know, got two true freshmen out there, but I saw our older guys getting, you know, beat too many times as well, which is just. Welcome back in. It is the extra point here on a reaction Monday. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, along with you, Chris Clark, will join us in the 11 o'clock hour with the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Coach Beamer there talking about the pressure that Tennessee was putting on South Carolina in that game on Saturday night. And Tennessee came into this game as one of the most successful teams in the entire country in terms of sacks coming in with 16. And again, they just kind of wreaked havoc uh, on the South Carolina offensive line, ending the game with uh, six more sacks there and just really bullying South Carolina, especially on the edges there when you look at Tree Babalade and uh, Tyshawn Wanamaker. I brought up this ex- example earlier, earlier. They just seemed like they were on roller skates the entire night. The pro football focus grades are in the 30s. The only person that didn't have allowed more than one pressure was Vershawn Lee. Like the entire offensive line just got taken to the woodshed on Saturday night. Yeah, and I think some of that is, hey, Tennessee, give them credit. Uh, I thought they played great. They, they really just attacked the edge, the outside rush. Um, and it, it just felt like it felt like South Carolina just kind of couldn't get to their landmark almost. Like, the quickness just gave them fits. And, um, you know, I, I think game situation, crowd, all that played into that. But ultimately, it was just kind of the same issues we've talked about being exposed again. And, you know, I, I think this was as as much as we've seen Tree Babalade kind of hold up against Georgia and hold up last week against Mississippi State – 
I feel like this was just his first kind of welcome to the SEC type moment type game. He'll he'll bounce back. He'll play better. He'll um, he'll learn from it. And um, I got no doubts about that guy moving forward. But certainly, you know, it was not a memorable game for him. It was not a memorable game for Tyshawn Wanamaker on the other side. You know, right tackle continues to be something they have to solve. You know, I, you know, Bieber mentioned possibly giving Sidney Fugar another look in there, and um, but I feel he was the worst one in the North Carolina game. So, yeah, but also that's his first ever FBS start. So that's true. I, I think um, you you gotta you gotta if guys aren't performing, even even if a guy didn't perform in a previous opportunity. You you keep rolling them in there and trying to let them bring a you know come along trying to let them get get better. I think too much too often we're trying and and Fugar has been picked on more than anybody. I feel like on the offensive line by the fan base, you know these are not everything's not static. Like guys sure. can get better, guys can improve, and um, you know they they can't have what happened this past sure. Saturday happen again. So I, I think you got to keep rolling people in there. You know, if they can get Ja'Kai Moore back healthy, maybe you give him a look at right tackle as well. Um, it, it is still it is still an issue, but you can't stop trying to solve it. Just because you've had issues there, you can't um you can't just say, Hey, we're just gonna we're just gonna roll with it and, and hope for the best. Now, not not every team's gonna be able to expose you the way Tennessee did. Sure. But um certainly that kind of shows you if you do face an opponent again who has the pass rush juice that Tennessee has, if you can't clean it up, you're going to probably have the same result. Well, I think Saturday night really kind of, if you weren't aware of it already, really set in the reality of what the health of the offensive line is. We obviously know you lost Jalen Nichols for the season. You lose Casey Henry on the first drive against North Carolina. You lose Marquis Anderson. You mentioned Jalen uh, um, or Ja'Kai Moore already being banged up, didn't, didn't get to play. Um, like you just have only so many bodies that you can rotate through there. And would you like to maybe have to go back to a Sydney Fugar right tackle? Probably not, but you really don't have that many other options there. And again, if Wanamaker's struggling, you, how much worse can he be? It seems like you, you got to keep rolling them in honestly and, and hope that it eventually clicks and that you can continue to make progress. Um, I, uh, I, I have not completed a rewatch of the game, to be honest. I've, I've actually got it on right here on my iPad and just, um, even I mean, right off the bat, from the very beginning, it's um, it, you know, and it's not even, hey, they brought six here. A lot of times, it's you know, hey, they brought four. Maybe there's a twist, maybe there's a stunt, but still, to me, it was Tennessee winning those one-on-one battles up front, and then to to kind of tack on it. Like I said earlier, it just did not feel like there was a ton of separation by yeah. your wide receivers. Yeah, it definitely felt like, and I asked Colin for this confirmation on that, they played a lot of cover one, and they brought down the safety to be on the get pretty much every single play, which is what you do um, when you have that one dominant receiver. So he wasn't really able to get out in space and establish much there on Saturday night. And again, when you're missing Juice Wells on the other side, you don't have that other guy that can break open on the other side of the defense and make a difference. And that's no disrespect to Omega Blake and Luke Doty and those kind of guys, but you just don't have that second viable option necessarily as opposed to Xavier Leggett that can really make a difference there. Yeah, I wish I had an all-22 to like really be able to tell. Um, Cole Kubelik, he always does these tweets where he gives a thought on every single team mm-hmm. on Sunday. He he had, now, you know, we're 
I, I don't know to what percentage, like how many plays this was the case. He did say there were times when there were people that were open. Um, but then, you know, how often is it that you drop back, hey, you got somebody open on this play, but then the play gets blown up because there's somebody in your face. Sure. Then add in, you know, I, I think pressure stacks. So if you have, if you get enough pressure on a quarterback, he's going to see pressure even when it's not there right? and run himself into pressure at times. And it, it just, when you look at, again, how important it was last year, Carolina winning one-on-one battles at wide receiver, Juice Wells, Jalen Brooks, Josh Van making plays for you. I thought Amarian Brown being back was going to be a key factor in this game. It, it really wasn't. Um, or I think it was going to need to be a key factor, I should he, say. He had the, was a 40-40-yard catch and run, made a couple guys miss. That was yeah early on in the game. Yeah, so it uh, it, it needed you know they were going to have to win those those one on ones and you know unfortunately for Carolina they didn't win the one on ones up front but they didn't really consistently win the one on ones and even without seeing the all twenty two when Beamer says hey guys we need more wide receivers to step up we need these guys to uh, continue to come along to me that's probably him saying that all right we we were not consistently getting enough separation in the secondary which. Hey, give give credit to Tennessee as well. They did what they needed to do. Absolutely. And again, Gamecocks fall 41 to 20 to the Volunteers on Saturday night. We are reacting to it all day long here on a reaction Monday coming up next. We'll get some of Chris's thoughts as well as we jump into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on this reaction Monday here on the game. It's Reaction Monday. Tell us all about it. Joe Foley caught at the 21-yard line. Xavier Ledet with back-to-back catches. And he's got the Gamecocks inside the 25. Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse. Your local Honda superstore for motorcycles, ATVs, side-by-sides, scooters, and generators. CarolinaHonda.com. Your home of the Gamecocks in the Midlands. 107.5 The Game. Also heard on the Grand Strand at 100.3 The Game. And in the PD at 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on the game on your Reaction Monday, Tyler and Wes with you in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Welcome in Chris Clark on the Love Chevrolet phone lines. Chris feeling a little under the weather day. He's going to be joining us on the phone for the next hour. Uh, I asked Wes's impressions of what he saw on Saturday night a little bit ago. Chris, uh, what did you see take place up there in Neyland Stadium with uh, Gamecocks falling short 21-40? to yeah, man, I think um, it, it reminded me actually a good bit of South Carolina's first game, you know, against UNC, neutral side in Charlotte, um, in that you get a couple interceptions, you steal a possession on special teams against UNC. Of course, it was the uh, it was the onside kick to open the second half in this game. It was, um, you know, of course, the fake punt executed beautifully by Kai Kroger and Xavier Leggett, drawn up very well by, by Pete Lundo, those guys. But uh, I think both of the contests, uh, the story of it was kind of missed opportunities, right? You think back to the UNC game, <clears throat> you had that, that, you know, stolen possession with the onside kick at mid, it, and you have the ball in great field position, you come away with nothing. In this game, you know, you, you come away with nothing um, in that situation after you execute the fake punt and then 
you know, you just just a lot of missed opportunities in general, not getting off the field on third down um, defensively in crucial moments, some explosive plays, which is similar to UNC. And then, you know, offensively, you're, you can't protect the quarterback with any consistency, <clears throat> excuse me, with any consistency. And even though we saw some improvements in the run game, you know, too many sacks, too many negative plays, and just a lot of self-inflicted wounds, and you weren't, weren't nearly good enough, not even in the universe you needed to be in on third down conversions and on fourth down conversions. There were several of those instances. So to me, there are some parallels uh, between the two games um, in some areas that you, you just couldn't afford uh, to have some of those mistakes and some of those missed opportunities. Yeah, and uh, to add to that, I, I just felt like that this was a game where the issues we've been talking about all year long kind of just reared their their heads again. And it's kind of, you know, I go into every game thinking it's a game of matchups. And I, I was very curious to see, all right, last week against Mississippi State, we saw some improvements in several of these areas we've been talking about. But it was, okay, how, how good is Mississippi State? How bad is Mississippi State? How much of the improvement is South Carolina actually improving? How much of this is just a week-to-week matchup thing? We knew Tennessee was pretty good at getting to the passer and creating that pass rush up front. We knew this would be a test. We knew that the road factor would, would be big in this as well and, and that the crowd, I, I think, always affects your ability as an offensive line a little bit in terms of timing, just not being able to hear yourself. It gives the defense just a little bit that split second of a head start that maybe they don't have when the roles are reversed. So I was curious to see kind of the latest test and if South Carolina could pass it. But obviously they tried to do all types of little things to maybe give themselves a chance, quicker throws, you know, people say, Hey, throw, throw some screens. You know, they, they, I know they tried one misdirection running back screen that just got completely blown up. And, um, you know, unfortunately for Carolina, it's just that you can look at, like, the specific plays that kind of were key, were huge. Obviously, the pick six. Obviously, getting stopped on third and short and then fourth and short. Like Chris said, one of them coming off of the fake punt where I'm, I'm sitting there saying, you have to get points here. Like, you have to find a way to score here. That just felt like a gut punch at the time. But even within those specific plays, you can look at how the underlying issues that we're talking about plagued them on all three of those sequences. So, you know, I I look at those three plays as kind of like the symptoms, but ultimately it just goes all the way back to those same sort of issues we've been talking about, unfortunately, for, for, for most of the year. Yeah, and I, and I think, man, when you look at um, but there's been a lot of analysis of, you know, coaching decisions, and, and I think all that's fair. You know, like it's fair to say, should you have gone for it um, on fourth down after, on the fake punt drive, right, when that drive stalls out? Um, should you have been throwing the ball back up? And, and I know Beamer gave an explanation to that, right, saying, hey, we trust Spencer Rattler. We didn't want to mm-hmm. punt it back to them. To, to me, that's one that kind of stands out, honestly, and, and we can unpack this one a little bit more. Uh, but I, I think to make the kind of piggyback off your point, like the coaching decisions and uh, the analysis of, you know, what type of schemes are you running on offense, what's the play calling like, yes, those things are all very important, especially in like a low margin of error game like this where, you know, you needed some things to go your way. You needed to 
maximize what your team could be. But I think really it was those same issues. Yet Mario Anderson did have, you know, an explosive 75-yard run that was, <laughs> given what we've seen, it was kind of a surprise, right, in this game, a, a pleasant surprise. We did see some good things, but a lot of the issues we saw, not being able to protect Rattler, not being able to run the ball in short yardage, uh, giving up too many explosive plays defensively, I think those were the bigger issues, right, um, in the game. And, you know, when when you can't do those things, when those things kind of do rear their ugly head, then the other stuff, you know, hey, w- what type of play calling are you utilizing, um, decisions to go forward or not, those kind of amplify those issues. And if you don't make the quote-unquote right decision, then it can really, really pile up and snowball on you. I think that decision down, you know, when you're backed up, I mean, the route you had called wouldn't have netted you a first down anyway. To me, it's about the same as a run, you know. I, I don't know. Am I wrong on that, guys? I feel like, you know, you, it, let's say you completed that ball to Omega Blake. Isn't it about the same outcome as running the football? Yeah, you're getting, at best, maybe a fourth and 15 there, getting a little bit more out of the shadow of your own goal line, but not a whole lot. Yeah, it's like I, my point earlier, Chris, was risk-reward. Re, risk yeah. Let me enunciate yeah. here. the The reward there is not really worth the risk. Now, I, I, that that can't be the first route on that on that call. Couldn't have been. Couldn't have so been. so let's yeah. you know I I don't think they're dialing that up necessarily. I think that's just where the the coverage maybe dictated. Um, it, it ended up going. So you know I I don't think they're. I think we got to factor that in as well if we're talking about the decision. I, I had no problem with the fourth down decisions. I'm sitting there saying go go for yeah. all of those. Like if you're you're not yeah. you already you already kind of reluctantly kicked two field goals in this game, even though from a philosophical standpoint you probably don't want to. Like Be- Beamer even said that pregame on the field talking to the crew, hey, we're not gonna win this game kicking field goals. But then you're in those situations in the game. It's very reluctant. It's like you almost have to kick. You have to get points here. At one point, they kicked. They were down seventeen. So even though you're kind of, it's like taking your medicine. Like you know you got to take it, but you're kind of holding your nose as you do it. You're like, man, you got to cut it to two scores here. Yeah. But are you are you that confident you're going to hold them to no more scores? You kind of are sitting there saying you needed seven. That way, then you have that window to where if I get seven here, I can just hold them to a field goal, and it's still a two score game. Early on, they, they kick the field goal because you want to get something. You want to get some type of answer off of that drive. And so I, I had no problem with the fourth down decisions. There was even there was a fourth down. I can't place it in my head right now. There was a fourth and short-ish when Carolina was backed up in their own territory. And I even said then, because you could feel the momentum of the game sort of leaving, I was like, you can't go for it here, but... I, I would be so tempted to just say, just go for it. Like, it just felt like a, a time you had to and needed to stay on the field. My my biggest um, my biggest issue, my biggest call, the one I think you absolutely can kind of um, break down and, and say was the wrong call was, was the throw on that third down backed up. You know, the context does matter. Like, even sitting there, you're saying, all right, you're down seven. You don't want to give the ball back to Tennessee because they can score. They can score so fast, and they're getting the ball to start the second half. So I understand yeah. 
against all odds, you're saying we have to stay on the field here because you don't want this game to snowball away from you. However, by trying to avoid that, you you ended up putting the game in a position to snowball away from you. So I, I think um, I, I think that's one you just look back on and you say, yeah, you, you kind of want that one back, to be completely honest. Yeah, I mean, at that point, the the game is, you know, in reach. I mean, it's not like you've played great, you know, but you're you're seventeen to ten at that point, you know, mm-hmm. and and you can go in the ha- you can go in the half. Now, I, I get the flip side of feeling like, hey, Tennessee can score fast, like you said, Wes. If we punt it to D. Williams, and we saw D. Williams had an, an outstanding return that was called back in this game, and it kind of illustrated exactly what Pete Wimbo and Shane Beamer are very cognizant of, of not wanting to kick him, not wanting to give them that short field. But Tennessee did make – Joe Milton made some mistakes in this game. He, he threw a couple picks. So, I think when you're weighing the risk-reward, that's – you know, sometimes you hear coaches say, hey, if we had to do it again, we'd make the same call. It, Beamer didn't say one way or another, uh, to my knowledge, on that one, but I would have to imagine they'd probably go in the other direction. So, you know, we talk about the middle eight a lot. That, that's something that Spencer Rattler even mentioned, you know, recently after the last game. And Tennessee won that because they were able to, with less than a minute on the clock in the second in the first half, they're able to score a touchdown on a pick six. We all know statistically, if if you give up a pick six in a game, if you have a pick six, it, it's it's hard to win the game. I mean, you can think about the Clemson game last year that were able to overcome that. It's a weird game. A lot of crazy stuff happened. But it's hard, right, to, to give up a pick six, and especially when you give up one right before the half in that situation to go down two scores. And then Tennessee, as Shane Beamer lamented, was able to go right down the field on their first drive. And so when we talk about the middle eight, you know, South Carolina did answer with a touchdown, you know, to pull it back within two. But those were kind of back-breaking possessions of not even a possession by Tennessee. You're just throwing a pick six to them backed up, and then they go down and scored. So – just too many things in this game that you, that you couldn't let happen um, in, in spots. See, you're talking about the offense. Take a look at the run game and the offensive line a little bit more as today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on Reaction Monday presented by Firehouse Subs rolls on here on the game. Yeah, um, you know, you try to avoid that every game, but like I said, credit to them. They did a good job up front, great job in coverage. Um, you know, a lot of the time those sacks were just coverage sacks. Nothing there. You know, just trying to extend the play. Those are good players up front. You know, they made good plays. Um, you know, we just got to clean up. You know. Welcome back in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on your Reaction Monday. Todd and West, along with you in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Chris joining us today on the Love Chevrolet phone lines. That was the voice of Spencer Rattler talking to the media after the game on Saturday night about getting sacked six times on Saturday night as Tennessee came in as one of the best teams as far as sacking the quarterback goes in the country. With 16, they leave with 22. And for Rattler, just, again, getting uh, pressured left and right, uh, particularly the tackle spots and not being able to sit back comfortably in the pocket and, in turn, uh, had his worst game of the season. Yeah, it was, um, it was again, I, I go back to kind of, more of the same with what we saw in the UNC game, you know, and, and I think we came out of the UNC game saying that, hey, look at Spencer Rattler's numbers. Look how well he took care of the football despite the fact that he was under heat, under pressure the entire night, right? They, I mean, they gave up nine sacks 
most of those, I think, in the UNC game were on the offensive line. There, there were a few where you could kind of split hairs and say, hey, Spencer could get rid of the ball faster here, right? But generally, it, it was more problems up front. Um, you know, I think this one, it was a combo. I, I think the, the pressure that Tennessee exerted, I think it, it affected the entire offense, right? I think it affected Spencer Rattler, too. Um, getting the ball, getting rid of the ball pretty quickly. You know, you can think back to a couple of the short down and distances, a couple of the fourth downs where, you know, Shane Beamer pointed out the correct depth wasn't one run on the route. Was that in everybody's mind, Spencer Rattler, the receivers that, hey, we got to get, we got to get this thing done quick because we are under so much heat. You saw obviously the the pick six is something that you know interceptions have been very uncharacteristic for Spencer Rattler this year. Missed throws have been very uncharacteristic for him. He's made great decisions. And so I think you have to tip your hat to Tennessee because, look, Dowell Loggins pointed out, he he was proven right, unfortunately, for South Carolina. He pointed out kind of an alarming statement, hey, th- this Tennessee front is as good as we have faced. And so you think about UNC and some of the improvements they've made up front. Common Rucker for UNC is a guy that's been picking up a lot of NFL draft buzz. Uh, had a, two and a half sacks in the South Carolina game. Um, you think about Georgia and, and the litany of talent that they always have up front, the way they scheme things up. Uh, they're really, really good up front. Tennessee was, you know, even more disruptive. Um, James Pierce, you know, wreck shop. I mean, they had, they had several guys uh, that did an outstanding job of winning one-on-one. South Carolina, I thought, a couple times they, you know, missed some things, you know, from a schematic standpoint with what Tennessee was running up front with some of their games. And so – uh, and then once again, of course, as we've said, you know, you weren't able to consistently run the ball to back some of that pressure off. Yeah, I thought, um, you know, there there were a couple little flashes from the running game. It just wasn't consistent uh, enough. And, um, you know, I, I think with this team right now, just where they are when they face a, a really good pass rush team like Tennessee has, you know, it, it's going to be a struggle. But then the the volume has turned up to 11 on that when they're in kind of those situational um, spots in a game, whether that's backed up at your own goal line, whether that's third and long, or whether that's uh, you're, you're down by two or three scores and the game's getting later and later, when you start getting those situations where your your opponent kind of, hey, they kind of know, like, they, they got to throw here. Like, they're, they're in a position where um, we can pin our ears back. It, it makes it just that much more difficult. Now, every team is going to struggle to protect a little bit more in those scenarios, but South Carolina certainly already having that as a problem area. It just um, the problems are um, just tacked on there even more, I, I think. And you know, for them, I think the difference between this game and the North Carolina game was I felt like you had some open receivers all game long against UNC. So when or or you won fifty fifty balls down the field, and in, in the case of Leggett in this game. There was pressure, and there really wasn't even time to get the ball down the field very often. And then when they did, um, you know, have time, it, it just felt like there just weren't consistently open guys in this game. And then I, I thought that did affect Rattler. Like you look at some throws he's made all year long that just were a little bit. I mean, we're talking inches off, but you know, even one of the short throws, the fourth down to Leggett, um, you know, if, if the ball sort of puts him in stride just a little bit more 
does a guy is a guy able to turn up the field and, and kind of create a more positive gain there with just a little bit better throw. So, you know, I, I thought there were there were just some things where this pressure just adds on to you. It stacks you. Of course, there's a physical aspect of just getting hit over and over as well. Um, you know, ten- Tennessee did exactly what you want to do as an SEC defense in this game, uh, I feel like. And when you do those things, when you stop the run for the most part, when you hit the opposing quarterback, you're going to win most games, no matter how good the guy is on the other side. Yeah, I mean, we talk all the time, guys. talked about it before the season. We've talked about it since the season has, has gone on. You know, there's so many teams that appear to be pretty doggone close to each other, you know, in this conference. And as as the season has progressed, some are, you know, showing that they're better than others for sure, right? Like, I mean, Kentucky is – I was pretty high on Kentucky coming into this season. They may be even better than we thought. Um, you know, Florida, it, I was not very high on, but they may be – it may be even a little bit worse than we thought. Um you know, Missouri is playing good football, but they have a lot left to play. They're undefeated. And so I think any team, you can you can have an outcome like South Carolina had if you make the mistakes that they did and, and you do it on the road, you know, your, your warts can be exposed very, very fast, right? And if you do, you know, if Tennessee would have, you know, had some other plays go the other way, South Carolina could have won, you know, this football game. And so – I still think, look, going in, it was. did I leave the game saying, gosh, Tennessee is so much better of a football team than South Carolina? Sounds weird to say they won by three touchdowns, right? But I think they're just markedly better in a few different areas, right, in areas that were absolutely critical. Um, and I think they were better than, I agree with U.S., UNC. I mean, they, they covered a lot better. Spencer Rattler in that clip we heard coming in noted that a lot of the sacks were coverage sacks, right? You had some where he was under under pressure immediately. You had some where he couldn't really find anybody. Um, and then that just caused a litany of issues for South Carolina. So Tennessee, you know, ran the football better. Um, you know, they ran it. They were much better on third downs. They were much better up front, you know, creating pressure. They were just a lot better in those areas. And um, I, I still think – you know, it, it's just kind of hard to get a handle on what the South Carolina team could be, right? Because we all thought, hey, after the Mississippi State game, could some of these issues, could they be getting better, right? They're still concerns, but they could they be getting better? I felt like it was kind of a step backward, a step in the wrong direction on Saturday night. But I think you credit Tennessee for a lot of that as well. Well, and Chris, and I brought this up to Wes a little bit earlier. You know, we, we obviously know there's a lot of injuries going on on the offensive line, most recently the one – uh, Ja'Kai Moore is dealing with, but when you talk about how rough of a night they had, looking ahead to the next seven games, and you're going to go be going up against plenty more teams that generate a good pass rush, like how much better can this offensive line really get as the season goes along as we're almost th- at, to the halfway point now? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a huge concern, I think. Um, you know, when you, you're out seven guys, which affects your practice, but you know, all seven of those are not guys who would play for you, but some of them are. I mean, Casey Henry was, was the starter going into game one, and that was despite not being very experienced. I think that credit him, right, but that shows kind of where South Carolina is at that position. So you don't have him. You don't have Ja'Kai Moore. And really, from a personnel standpoint, Shane Beamer talked about getting Sidney Fugar back involved, but 
they just haven't found any real solutions there. Marky Anderson, of course, not available. So um, getting getting better is a necessity, right? But I think some of these issues we've seen enough to know that they're going to be dealing with them in some form or fashion all year. And so it's just about what can you do to improve it as much as you can and not have it show through as much as it did on Saturday night. Yeah, and I think it's going to consistently be an issue. But also, I, I didn't know if that was coach speak originally from Dow Loggins about this Tennessee front, but I, I do think this probably is one of the better fronts you're going to face. So, you know, they, they just have to keep kind of chopping away. I don't, I don't think we can expect them to be good, like a great team up front. Like that's probably off the table. I do think you've seen enough little kind of improvements from the running game that maybe that's kind of where you find your improvement is trying to avoid more of these third and long situations. And we'll certainly uh, continue to dive into that. Take a look at the defense as well as today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on Reaction Monday rolls on here on the game. We did what we needed to do. You know, came in at halftime. I think they had like 80 yards rushing and other than hitting that one deep ball where the kid made a hell of a catch on our sideline, they really hadn't done much in the passing game. And, um, you know, so I thought they gave us an opportunity in the second half. They got some stops. And then, you know, the disappointing thing is we cut it to a two-score game with about nine minutes left and need to go out there and be able to get a stop. And, unfortunately, we gave up a 75-yard touchdown drive. And uh, it was kind of the story of the game or story of the night. or the, 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 the that, that got us on that one. Um, so, you know, we were out there, not a ton of plays. Tennessee ran 72 plays, but when you give up, uh, you know, 238 yards rushing, it's going to be tough to win. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on your Reaction Monday. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you. That was the voice of Coach Beamer after game talking about the defense. Mentioned uh, Tennessee going for 238 yards on the ground. Joe Milton throwing for 239 yards, about as balanced as balanced can be on uh, off- on offense for the Volunteers, and and this is just a game where uh, South Carolina struggled just about everywhere defensively, and we talked about one of the keys going to the game at the end of last week was forcing Milton into uncomfortable situations, making him throw the ball downfield, and, and go back and watch the game last night. I shot her at only four, pl- four throws uh, farther than 10 yards uh, on Saturday night. He missed on three of those. One of those uh, was a completion with an athletic catch by the wide receiver, but he stayed in the pocket. He stayed comfortable for the most part outside of the one sack by Ben Martin Scott. And again, Tennessee just gassed you with the one run game again and again and again. Well, two of them were picked off, right? Yeah, two of them were picked off. Two of the four, and then one was the uh, completion. Yeah, I mean, guys, uh, I don't know what you think, Chris, but I, I, I weirdly almost grade the defense on a curve with, for this game. Like, I... Um, I can't sit here and honestly say, all right, you gave up 238 yards on the ground and say you did a good job of stopping the run. However, I weirdly thought the defense gave South Carolina a chance given everything they were up against in this game. I mean, you you forced two turnovers. You forced two field goals. You forced two three-and-outs and then a third four-and-out. And... um you got the ball back into your offense's hands against the Tennessee offense that you kind of knew at home was going to give you trouble, I-, I feel like. So, to me, this just this didn't feel like two years ago when South Carolina just gets run over from the very beginning and is down, I think it was like 21 nothing off the bat or 28-7, something like that. But um, it-, it didn't feel the same to me. I, I know right now kind of – Throwing shade on the defense is the big thing right now, and there's a lot of people upset about the defense. Um, 
seven of those points in the 41 were obviously not on the defense either. So I, Chris, I don't think it was a great defensive performance, but I also have seen far worse. I feel like, like I feel like they at least gave this team a chance to, to go win the game. Yeah, I think uh, inconsistency is, is just the word that comes to mind, right? Because there were some drives and some things that the defense did that did give them a chance and were impressive, but uh, they also had their moments where, you know, they, they had struggles, right? And there's one that Shane Beamer pointed out to me that I wanted to discuss with you, Wes, because discuss with y'all because we talked about it going into the game, and that was, too many, you know, slants, you know, too many slants that Tennessee was able to complete. I thought there were times where their backs and their perimeter guys were able to get too many yards when South Carolina looked to have them hemmed in and kind of locked up, and Tennessee was able to just get extra yardage. There were too many, I thought, easy access throws. Tyler, you're right. I mean, Milton didn't throw the ball down the field a ton, and one of them was an incredible catch. Two of them were picked, right? I mean, that's that's kind of exactly – if you were South Carolina, that's exactly what you would have wanted. You wanted Joe Milton throwing the football down the field and banking on him making some mistakes, which they did. And, um, you know, one of those was great coverage by Jalen Kilgore. One of them was a play where South Carolina schematically, I think, got Tennessee and Joe Milton because they confused him uh, pre-snap and then played a different coverage that they haven't showed a lot. That's exactly what you want, right? But – some of the other things that you knew that Tennessee was going to lean on, the run, uh, easy access, quick throws, throws to the perimeter, slants, those are the areas that you struggled in. And so it's kind of a it's, – it's an area where you, you credit them for some of the things they did, but you also, you also have to recognize that there were some critical things that they did not do in the game well enough. And I think one of the storylines we talked about going in was – you know, the nickel position, you know, the slot corner being matched up, you know, against Tennessee slot receivers, you know, is is going to be more difficult, right? Because we, we discussed probably ad nauseum how you had Cam Smith play 80 snaps last year as your, as your slot corner. You don't have that luxury. You don't have that option this year. Um, you, you've got a secondary who, you know, they haven't found any solutions at nickel, really, it, it, consistent you know, consistent solutions. And you don't have a couple guys that you can move over there from, say, a corner position to go, to go play nickel. Um, and I thought that showed through in this game. I, I think from a personnel standpoint, uh, that was something you, ha- you had last year that you did not have this year. And this was a game in which that was a question. And Tennessee, you know, I think got the better of them in a couple regards, you know, and that was one of them. Yeah, I do think um... – South Carolina making a move though to like put Eamon Worry at Nickelback, um, yeah. which it, it appears that it looked to me like he was playing nickel for pretty much the whole game, and um, you know we had speculated previously would would they make that move at some point? Could you know has he been working at nickel or is he just working at the two safety spots? I, I think that's probably your best answer moving forward. You you saw what DQ Smith can do when he can drop back and just put his eyes in coverage, uh, dropping into zone on the the one interception on third and long. I thought DQ had some key tackles as well. Um, you know some some of this some of this I just credit to Tennessee and their scheme. Honestly, like you um, 
So a couple of like there was a third and two early on where Tennessee completes a, a slant pass for a first down. South Carolina is taking away that sort of distance everybody complains about. They're in man coverage. They're in bump and run, really. Like he's up on the guy and he just gets inside, completes the pass, and it, you know, it's a first down. Like I, I think their their splits that they run on offense just um I think give you fits, and unless you just have true lockdown guys, um, like NFL quality players, it's uh, it's tough to to defend. I think, and even last year, you go back and look at that game. What they were able to do defensively was heavily complemented by the fact that you scored sixty three points on offense, <laughs> and were you know you were able to make Tennessee chase you all game. You just said, look. Of course, we can be aggressive and play man coverage, and you still, you know, gave up thirty something points. So some of that, I think, was a, a little bit more about the game flow. And this this year's game was more of just a a traditional game where you know Tennessee has the lead; they can kind of pick what they want to do, and they just kind of did what they do best. I, I feel like. Yeah, we always talk about you know complimentary football, right? Well, South Carolina did that in the game last year, and the offense gave them, as it turned out way more than they needed even when when you score 63 points i mean it, it, it's easy nobody remembers some of the offensive plays that tennessee had in that game that were just in last year's tennessee offense was i think markedly better even than this year's i mean that the scheme is still very difficult they still have really good players but last year i mean think about tennessee i think when they answered south carolina's first score it took two plays you know i mean just a long quarterback run a long rushing touchdown you had um, a couple plays where guys are just running wide open, right? You, you didn't have that at much as much this year. I think Tennessee did have to earn what they got a little bit more, which is, you know, a, a positive, but the, the negative is exactly what we were talking about earlier, that you still situationally, um, you know, gave up, gave up too many plays, too many rushing yards. You had some plays that didn't go your way in the passing game, including the, the squirrel right. Still don't know how we caught that ball. That was – an amazing play by him that just kind of one of those 50-50 plays that, that didn't go your way. And But the biggest thing is exactly what you said, Wes. From a complimentary football standpoint, you didn't get anywhere close to what you got from the offense last season. And, and I think that, that does affect your defense. One other thing real quick on Eamon Worry, Wes, you pointed out staff deciding to move him to nickel. PFF had him at 69 total snaps in the game. 62 of those classified as slot corner and five as a box player, which we'd have to go back and see exactly how he's lined up. But, you know, basically almost every single snap uh, he played at the nickel position, the slot corner position on Saturday. Continue to react to this and look ahead to what's next for South Carolina as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs rolls on in your reaction Monday. You're on the game. Yeah, we got to get healthy for one. Um, we just and we we got to get our young guys to continue to come on and get better. Just told the team in the locker room we're not even halfway through the season. I mean, we're not even through October yet, and um, we're not at the halfway point of the season. But the off week's coming at a good time. We uh, got to get back to work. We got to get better. We got to get healthy because right now we're a we're a two and three football team, and uh, that starts with me as the head coach. I don't believe. We are a two and three football team. I think we're better than that, but uh, we got to understand that 
that uh, when you come on the road in the SEC or even when you play at home in the SEC, um, you got to be detailed and you got to make plays when when uh, you get opportunities to. And we didn't do enough of that tonight. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Reaction Monday, Tyler Wes and Chris. Along with you, that was Coach Beamer talking about now heading into the bye week for the Gamecocks as they will wait 12 days to take on Florida next Saturday at Williams-Brice Stadium. Should be getting kickoff time for that game here in the next couple of hours. Obviously, you wanted to go into the bye week with a win, be able to ride a little bit of that, that momentum, feel good. Sitting at that point would have been 3-2. and two. Now you go in 2-3, and three, obviously dealing with a lot of injuries and a lot of things to address over these next 12 days. I mean, I think bye week uh, comes at a good time, honestly. Bye week's almost always come at a good time because everybody's banged up, uh, but this team certainly. And, um, you know, I, I think for, for South Carolina – you have plenty of tape now. Not that everything's just going to be a f- fix in a bye week, but you have plenty of tape now to sort of focus in on some things. If you're going to make any big moves, if there's anybody you're sitting there saying, hey, we, we've got to get this guy ready to play more, th- this is when you do it, I, I think. And it, it's very difficult once you start kind of uh, rolling down the mountain of a season. I mean, the amount of time you have to get ready from one week to the next is um, – it's incredibly small, and you're sitting there trying to get ready for, hey, this team does this, this team does that. Hey, they run things completely different than the last team we played. So you're trying to install things. You're trying to not install too much. Like It, it is a roller coaster. So I, I think if you're going to try to get guys ready, this is when wholesale changes I don't expect. But um, they got to keep building depth, y'all. Like I, I think that was the other thing with the defense. Um the, the lack of depth continues to be an issue. Certainly once T.J. Sanders went down, Nick Barrett was dealing with the foot deal as well. Continuing to try to find depth and, and get guys ready is, uh, I, I think, a huge key as South Carolina gets into what is almost the second half of the season. Yeah, and I think there are some spots where you're, you're still going to be limited. I mean, you look at the offensive line that we were talking about earlier, you know, you're not going to have Marquis Anderson this year. You know, Case and Henry, we, you know, hopefully for South Carolina it'll be soon, but I don't know that he's going to be ready, you know, even after the bye week, right? So, uh, Ja'Kai Moore, we'll see how he comes along. You, you don't have – it's not like you say, I'll just play the freshman on the O-line. You've got two starting right now. One's injured. One is Jatavia Shivers, who by all accounts is, is not quite ready yet, despite having some good traits. So, there are some other spots, on the other hand, where – Maybe you do need to not a maybe you do need to get some more guys ready and and some of that is young players, some of it is older guys. You know, JT Gear has now played in the last couple of games, but he has not played a lot of snaps against Mississippi State or against Tennessee, and he had been banged up earlier in the year. So uh, Drew Tuizama did not even travel uh, to Knoxville as a transfer. So that's that's a couple of guys with you know some collegiate experience. Tuizama with a good bit of collegiate experience who have not factored in for different reasons at times, but uh, they're, you know, you look at wide receiver. Do you need to get Nick Harbour more involved? Do you need to get Tyshawn Russell more involved? The answer is yes, if they're better, if they prove to be better than your other options. And at some point you might have to flip that switch and say, let's try to get these guys ready because they have the traits uh, to where they could be. But I, I think this is one thing where, you know, not being practice all the time, not being able to, observe every nook and cranny of the program it's easy to say just throw this guy out there it can't get any worse oftentimes that's not the case right it, it oftentimes it can uh get worse and so 
you got to make sure they're ready. You got to walk that line and that bounce. And it's, it's going to be a tough job, I think, at some spots to find that. But at, at receiver, I mean, the biggest thing is you need to have a healthy Amarian Brown back. Maybe at some point this season you get a healthy Juice Wells back. That would be the easiest way to fix it. That's, that's the number one way to fix it. But until then, you know, you're going to have to find some solutions at receiver. You're going to have to find some solutions at several spots, to be frank. Yeah, I think, Chris, um, you've kind of reached the breaking point almost where fans are like um, – like the, the group of fans that are like calling for, for Nick Harbour to play more um, yeah. has gotten louder and louder and bigger and bigger. You know, I feel like you got some people that are saying, um, even if they were kind of on the outside of that group saying, well, um, I get it. Like more and more of those people are shooting over into the category of play the guy. Well, and quickly on that note, it seems like, you know, Tyshawn Russell's definitely taking more of a progressive step at the wide receiver spot. He ends up coming down with the catch on Saturday night, which makes sense. He's more of a natural wide receiver than Nick Harbour was. So he's somebody that could certainly step up. But again, he's not that same flashy name or attractive as Nick Harbour is being a five star. So that's who people are naturally going to gravitate towards. Yeah, I, I think Tyshawn Russell has played well this year for, for a freshman and certainly looks to be the furthest along of the true freshman wide receivers. And but, I, you know, Beamer used the example, first of all, consistency is, is the answer he gave Colin when he asked him about what do those guys need to do. That's always the answer with young players who are talented. Can you be more consistent? Um, that's kind of the go-to answer. But, you know, the example used is, hey, are you running the route at the exact right depth? When you have a veteran quarterback, which Spencer Rattler is, a guy that understands all the intricacies of running this scheme, he's going to expect you to be, if it's a – 10-yard route, he's going to expect you to be at 10 yards, not nine and a half. And it's easy to say, hey, we'll play that guy. I like him. Play that guy. He's a five-star. But then when that guy runs the route that's a little bit off and the ball gets tipped instead of caught and it gets intercepted, then that that's why coaches want you to be so detail-oriented about things. And it's tough to ask true freshmen to be as detail-oriented as a guy who's been around a little bit longer. Yeah, and I mean, the the flip side for those same fans, Wes, they're going to say, well, it's up to the coaches to get them ready. You know, and again, there is a balance and a give and take to that. They're right in saying that. But again, you know, when you're talking about a guy like Nick Carver, we've said this many times, not a a guy who's an experienced wide receiver, even from high school. Uh, Plenty more to break down as the week goes along. Next two weeks go along as we get you set for Carolina and Florida coming up next Saturday. But that'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on your Reaction Monday halftime show with Terry coming up next right here on The Game.